0: Welcome to the GP Podcast by North NorthDoc. I'm Liam Quinn. Today we talk to Dr. Austin O'Carroll. Austin is head of the North Dublin GP Training College. He believes everyone, no matter how poor, how marginalised, no matter how chaotic or drug addicted or both, regardless of their social status, should have access to good health care. He's most likely to quote Dr. Julian Tudor Hart's law that the availability of good medical care tends to vary inversely with the need for it in the population served. Hart later paraphrased this argument saying to the extent that healthcare becomes a commodity it becomes distributed just like champagne, that is rich people get lots of it, poor people don't get any of it. Austin agrees, most doctors agree but what do you do about it? Austin reckons that one of the barriers was that there is simply not enough doctors who are even inclined to get involved in what can be one of the most challenging areas of general practice because they simply never get exposed to it in early training. So we decided to do something about it by introducing a social medicine module in the training scheme he oversees.
1: In the background, the North Dublin GP, City GP Training Scheme was set up to focus on training GPs in North Dublin and specifically to work in areas of deprivation and um, uh, to work with marginalised groups. The reasons for this were, north side of Dublin has var- large tracts of deprivation, what we call black deprivation, um, and also has high rates of homelessness, uh, drug misuse, large population of travellers and a large population of ethnic minorities. All these um, issues, poverty, homelessness, drug addiction, ethnicity, uh, are, um, are actually related to health inequalities. That means these people suffer higher, much higher rates of morbidity uh, from chronic disease, and they also have um, lower lifespans and lower life expectancies. Um, So despite this being a particularly population that's prone to chronic disease and premature mortality, um, we have the lowest rate of GPs per head of the population. In North Dublin we've one GP per 2,500 patients versus one to 1,600 nationally. We knew from evidence from the UK that if you have a GP training scheme in an area Actually, it will actually increase the amount of GPs working in that area. It'll stay, stay in the area. Yeah, stay in the area. And secondly, I knew from the US, I checked up on the evidence, and in the US, evidence in the US uh, that undergraduate schemes for um, training doctors um, that were set up specifically to train doctors for urban deprived and rural isolated areas actually were successful in getting doctors into those two areas. So putting all that together, it made sense that we set up a GP training scheme in North Dublin that focused on getting the GPs where they need to be in North Dublin, that is working in urban deprived and with marginalised groups. It's the first of its kind ever internationally. Um, and um, in fact, we have presented the scheme and the outcomes of the scheme. So we presented at the World Organisation of General Practitioners uh, and at the uh, Royal College of General Practitioners. And we've been approached by GPs from other countries uh, who were interested in setting up similar schemes. The actual what we actually do is we deliver your normal GP training so you produce good quality GPs who can do quality GP primary healthcare uh, no matter where they are but in addition to that we deliver several um, at the extras first of all we do a social medicine curriculum in this uh, social medicine curriculum they actually have to learn about health inequalities they have to learn about how to um, work with Um, marginalized groups how to address stereotypes and stigma we also teach them the skills of change management and leadership because we want them to change the approach to health inequalities in these areas of deprivation so we want them to become leaders and we want to learn them how to produce policies that will more effectively address health issues in these areas We also make sure that they're trained in hospitals that are based in areas of deprivation and they're trained in general practices in the north area of Dublin that are based in areas of deprivation. We actually approached the HSE and asked them to identify the areas where there was the fewest GPs and then we tried to get GP trainees into those few practices that were in those areas. Um, in their fourth year they do what's a special interest post which is a, a, another new initiative where they spend a day a week for four months working in homeless services, a day a week for four months working in prisons and with ethnic minorities and a day a week working for four months working in drug addiction clinics and that's to address their increase, address their attitudes towards those groups and increase their skill levels in providing primary care to those groups. Um, we are following up the, our, our graduates to see where they're ending but we know um, that most of them have ended up working deprivation. Several of them have worked spe- ended up working in services that specifically work with marginalised groups, such as drug users, or homeless. Um, sadly, one of them went to Dubai, but actually setting up a drug addiction clinic in Dubai, so that's seen as a success. Uh, one of them went down the country, but applied to the local prison to work at the local prison, so again, that's a success. Mm. So we know the scheme is actually producing what we want. It's producing GPs who, will, who are uh, not afraid and want to work in areas of deprivation with marginalised groups, and also have the skills to work in those areas. Is this
0: just um, specific now to the North Dublin faculty, or is this uh, part of the
1: national training? This, this, um, we since we actually started, um, as a result, we approached the college and said, "Well, what we're teaching has implications nationally," and they were producing a new GP curriculum for the whole of the country. And now there's a social medicine module uh, which we wrote up in the North Dublin GP training scheme, which is on part of the national curriculum now. And it addresses all those issues so that, in other words, no matter where you are in the country, you should be able to deal with drug users because drug use is... pervades the whole country. You also should be able to deal with homeless people, you should be able to deal with ethnic minorities, travellers and issues related to poverty in your area because poverty pervades the country as well. You've got urban poverty in other cities such as Cork, Limerick, Galway, but you've got rural poverty and the difficulties associated with rural poverty in uh, all throughout Ireland.
0: What about um, training for GPs who are further down the road in their careers like 10, 15 years in, um, is there any training for them in terms of dealing with, you know, drug addiction or other challenges?
1: Um, in terms of drug addiction, it's interesting. i give you, um, for example, in North Dublin, Fiona Riley did a survey where she asked all the local community groups and the community uh, members, like people who lived in the north side, what's the worst health problem in the north side? And they all said drugs. And, I mean, drug addiction, it's not known, but drug addiction um, causes more death and then more deaths per annum than suicide and road traffic accidents. So, it is a big killer. And, uh, I mean, it, it causes a huge level of health problems from uh, HIV, hepatitis, uh, blood-borne infections, um, to skin infections, as well as psychological issues such as depression, anxiety, family breakdown. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a terrible affliction in terms of health-wise. And yet, only 27% of GPs in North Dublin would actually provide methadone treatment. So your worst health problem yet gps don't treat it. 27 percent is actually good figure nationally when you go out to the national figures very few gps down the country provide methadone treatment um, many patients who need methadone end up coming to become homeless in dublin in order to get methadone treatment which is off the wall and um, so for gps us, gps unfortunately they don't have to provide methadone addiction i think not treating a patient who comes in with uh, a drug problem is is actually worse than not treating a patient than who has a diabetic problem because you're more likely to die young from a drug problem than diabetes. You're more likely to have more worse health counts from drug problems than diabetes. Yet no doctor would think of not treating diabetes, and yet, drug addiction. Many of them choose not to. Um, every doctor can learn to become to prescribe methadone. The ICG provides a methadone treatment course. Um,
0: but what about you know the issue of having uh, drug addicts in your waiting room, um, You know, mixed with, your, with, with all of your patients. Are they not intimidated? Or the GPs that that working for you, are they not intimidated?
1: Well, I started practice. When I first started the practice, the HSE had taken out a long-term lease in the building where they'd started the Methadone Treatment Centre in the basement. I had no choice but to start the practice uh, just above them. And I was nervous because I thought there's going to be a lot of drug users uh, in this building. Um, all, in addition, the practice I inherited had um, a significant amount of drug users, and I treat people with methadone. So I have over 300 people with drug use on my on my list, uh, and I treat in the practice up to 60 people for methadone. sorry, 50 people for methadone. Uh, yet despite this, my list has continued to grow every single year. We've actually closed our list for five years because we had so many patients trying to join the list. So it doesn't stop business coming. Um, in fact our problem is how to limit business rather than gain it so no i and in terms of um like in a level one you're only treating 15 patients um and you don't have to see them all the one day you can see one every so often and those guys are stable a level one doc, uh, patient is a patient who's been stabilized already and um, all they want to do is come in and say hello to the doctor get their prescription and leave they're in and out very quickly it's all very efficient sometimes they need to be addressed for health problems you do need to obviously provide health care for them But they're really, it's a really simple consultation, and they don't cause problems in the waiting room. Um, I think the the people's perception of drug use is the people who are usually not on methadone, who are unstable, who are still using heroin, and they can come in and they can have challenging behaviours, but they're the ones that have to be stabilised. The Level 1 doctors are dealing with people already who are stabilised, who have been integrated back into the community.
0: What's your can't let it go thing about this in terms of training? You know that that uh, that that the HSE are missing, that the, uh, the colleges are missing. Um, what needs to be done to you know to bring this on?
1: I think what to do is, I mean, the reason this needs to be done is that, I mean, for example, West Finglas has the population of Mullingar. There's no GP based in West Finglas. I mean that's ridiculous, and it also has much more health problems than a town size Mullingar. Um, So our scheme has a lot of work to do with us We've only started, you know, we need to get patients and doc GPs. We need to get GPs into these areas. And um, so that's our work, what we've we've been set out to do. Um, And that work will always be there. You will always need to be training GPs to work in those areas. So the first thing is the actual fundamental aim of the scheme and mission of the scheme is to produce GPs to work in those areas. A second thing, though, is I think the fact that the scheme exists introduces a new... You know element into the into the field of gp training and by doing that you're you actually are achieving change so the very fact we are in existence means there's a social medicine uh, module in the curriculum the very fact that we exist means people start thinking well what are they doing in social medicine they should they're not the only ones who own social medicine but they start thinking about their own social medicine curriculum i know other schemes who developed a social medicine curriculum without having to wait for the icgp because they suddenly said well what are we doing that they're doing so and also we're raising the issue with the HSE. We're we're constantly when we're training our GPs that it isn't just us on this, the program directors of the scheme who are raising these issues. We're training our GP trainees that they will continuously raise the issue. So as time goes on, each year we're producing, we were producing twelve, we're now producing fifteen graduates. Each year we produce fifteen graduates. We're going to go out talking about health inequalities, raising the issue, that's going to spread. So in 10 years, you're going to have 150 people who are aware of health inequalities. That's now a new element that can achieve change in the system.
0: You know, you've talked about drug addiction and exposure to people in, you know, very marginalised situations and probably threatening situations. But, Mm. you know, are there other aspects of the scheme that that don't exist in other schemes that... uh, that may be of interest?
1: Our vision is that everyone has access to high quality general practice care, irrespective of their background. Our mission is what we do to achieve that vision. And our mission is to produce high quality GPs who will work in areas of deprivation with marginalized groups and have the ability to self care for themselves so that they survive in these same areas. So to achieve that, as I said, we do a social medicine curriculum we work in GPs in areas of deprivation, we work in hospitals in areas of deprivation, and we also run the special interest posts where they're exposed to marginalised groups. What we also do is we run a self-care module because we try and teach people how to take care of themselves so that they survive. Um, this is an issue for all GPs. GPs often face burnout no matter what or where they come from, but it's particularly important to provide um, an ability to avoid burnout in areas of deprivation. We also um, run an arts module and an arts module is to get them to see ways of stimulating the way they see the world through something that's non-medical um, I'll give you an example of what I mean by this um, you set a group of GPs around, or doctors uh, of any sort around and talk about a medical case and you'll often discuss a really sad case uh, where a person goes has horrific illnesses and has affected their lives terribly and no one will get upset you send someone to see a play about a person who goes through a similar situation or a film about it, and they'll be in tears at the end. And that's because, as doctors, we're trained to talk about medical things in a dispassionate way. And when you're teaching, it's very hard then to access the feelings, and it's important to access feelings because that's what actually drives you, and that's also what will burn you out. So we use the arts to access that other aspects that we can't explore through the medical curriculum as such and that allows us to give a more fuller education and prepare people and inspire them. I mean, it's actually inspiration. Inspiration means to breathe life into someone and we're trying to breathe life into them so that they will continue working in these areas. One of the things I'm most proud of on the scheme is that the GP trainees themselves set up a vision and mission committee. And this was, they decided how will we keep the vision and mission alive for ourselves? And they decided they weren't going to do teaching, what they said that we were going to do through action. So the first thing they did was they organised the first ever street medicine conference for Irish doctors and nurses, uh, which they ran quite successfully in 2015. It was so successful that it's continuing this year, uh, and they're hoping to have it as a national uh, event, uh, an annual event. The second thing they did was this year uh, they set up a clinic for homeless people in a new hospital called Prewindor, which they totally staff. They provide GP services from it. They also um, go in and do HIV and hepatitis screening and they provide training on how to administer naloxone uh, in drug overdose situations. Um, And I'm really proud of that that because I didn't start that, I had nothing to do with it. But they've started and that shows that the scheme is achieving its objectives.
0: In these placements, we get to see an alternative and more flexible model of care. One of the striking things I've found from working here is that absolutely anyone can become homeless. As people's social circumstances and legal status improves, we find their health also gets better.
1: The greatest tribute I can pay to this placement is that it has changed my long-term career choices. It's stigma uh, attached to
0: doctors, it's a real us and them, especially with the younger generation because they just don't seem to have the maturity to understand that these doctors are here to actually help you, they're not your enemies, they're not there to keep you passed down. I've, uh, me personally, I've availed of all the positive aspects that the doctors have to provide here. Uh, I'd be lost without all the doctors here, to be honest with you, so uh, a full 10 out of 10 for me and a long may it continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it for now from the GP podcast by North Doc. If you'd like to comment, you can email me at liam.quinn at northdoc.ie. Thanks for listening.